0: 2018 can you believe we made it all you veterans of y2k that wondered if we would even make it to survive that you've made it another 18 years that's awesome in a brand new year we all like new right all like new what do you like that's new what do you what do you like that when you get something that's brand new it just like just makes you feel good inside anybody car Car? yes clothes shoes Shoes, that's a big one, you know, I used to love to get a brand new pair of shoes, you know, man, you know, there's a reason that shoe stores have really soft carpet in them a lot of times, at least they used to, you know, because you put those shoes on, you you think it's the, uh, uh, you think it's the shoes It's really the carpet, but I mean, when you get brand new shoes, and it's interesting, how many of you, when you get a brand new pair of tennis shoes, okay, are... Like, you're so careful not to scuff them. You're walking around not to, to you know, you're, you're being very careful. You know, you, are you like that? Anybody? Your sons? Yeah, yeah. Well, when I was growing up, it was the exact opposite. You got a pair of brand new white Converse or, or the, the, the Keds or the PF Flyers that would make you run really fast. Remember those? And they were brand new, and they were white, and they were so glaring that the first thing you wanted to do was scuff them up and get them dirty, and that so you didn't stand out in a crowd, right? It's the exact opposite. Now you want everybody, oh man, those shoes are bright. You know, but but you know, when, I was, when I was a kid, you know, we, just, we couldn't wait to get them scuffed up and dirty. Anyway, but we liked new. Everybody likes brand new there's something about you know receiving something new whether it's a pair of shoes or a car or or a shirt or a pair of jeans you know a new winter coat that's that's not new is nice there's also something about the start of a brand new year it's like you kind of like you get to do a do-over you know you get a fresh start it didn't do so well last year but this year's going to be different It's not that we can undo our past, but it's just like, you know, if there's a point in time, we say from this point on, things are going to be different. You know, I joined, those of you that follow on Facebook know that I joined a gym this week, and um, it's something that I've talked about for a number of years. I did it once before, it lasted a short while, but I wasn't one of those muscle-bound, I I joined a gym that isn't full of the big muscle heads, you know. So it's like full of regular people. So I joined it, you know, and I, I've got the card. It's right here. But I realized something after I got it, and that is that having this card, carrying it around isn't gonna make me fit. They tricked me. I gotta actually use it. I gotta go in there and scan it, and then start using the machines and and all of that. Um, <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that's why people make New Year's resolutions. What? You're enjoying my comments on there? Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like I do not like exercise, but I've decided I know i got to do it, so I'm going to stick to it, so I'm making a commitment. My goal is three days a week minimum. If I can do more than that, I'll do more, but at least three days a week. And I made it for week one. I figure about two more weeks, and I should be... Nice and fit, right? You're laughing too hard. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, you know that's why we make New Year's resolutions and not mid-year's resolutions, right? Because we like the, the the start of a new year. We like things new, new beginnings. Well, I recently read in uh, the Book of Revelation. There's a there, there's a verse toward the end end of the book that says it's in verse 21 says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. How many have had enough of that this past year? All right. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and it's true. God says, I'm making everything new. You know, one day Jesus is going to return and on that day he is going to wipe away every tear. On that day, death and dying will be gone forever. There's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more cancer, no more Alzheimer's, no more more flu No more any of that stuff. We all deal with it now, right? But the thing that we sometimes forget is that that's the way God intended for things to be from the beginning. That we would have none of that. He never intended there to be pain and sorrow and sickness and death in our lives. That all came in because human beings screwed it up. But it was never God's intent that we would have to live with those things. And one day he's going to make all things new again, and then that will all disappear. Now, here's the thing for about the past month, we've been talking about the inbreaking of God's kingdom. You know, God's kingdom is not just off in the distant future somewhere. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, it is here, it's arrived. And while we won't see the fullness of his kingdom realized until the king returns for his church, um, we do see the kingdom of God breaking into our lives here and now. And when God comes in, he likes to make things new. And that's different, really, than what a lot of people believe or what a lot of people think. You see, often we approach God thinking that, you know, he's going to help us improve our lives. He's going to make me a better person. He's going to make me a better husband. He's going to make me a better dad. You know, he's going to improve my marriage. He's going to make all these improvements in my life. We, we, we approach God and we think, okay, God's going to, you know, God's going to improve me or improve my life. Right? About a year, year and a half ago, something like that, um, I took my car to the shop because it was riding terribly. I mean, it was all bouncing all over the road. There's a, a turn right by my house that I would make, and there was a pothole right there, and I thought the pothole was really bad, but even when I, when I just caught the edge of it, it's like it would, it would throw the car, um, you know, like from right rear to left front, like way and then, and then back and forth like this. And I got to be where I'm, I'm riding down the road and I'm just going like this, even on a straight level road. I'm just riding along and I thought, what is wrong with this car? Uh, you know, and, and so I took it to the shop and the, the mechanic, you know, he, he uh, called me up and said, well, yeah, we found what the trouble is. And I said, what's that? He goes, your right rear shock was locked in place. It was frozen in place. Which means, you know, a shock, when you hit something, it's supposed to do this so that, you know, your ride is a little smoother. Well, instead it would do this. It would just throw the ent- and that's why when I hit something with it, it would throw the car, catty corner, you know, from, from right rear to left front, you know, and then it would come back, and it, it was crazy. Because there was no give, it was like, it right, might as well have been, I, I don't know, riding without shocks. It, it was really bad. So then he fixed it. After he fixed it. Talk about improved! It was smooth ride. I mean, it's a big old Buick, right? It was a smooth ride. I could recall, man, this, 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 this feels great. It's wonderful. It's a smooth ride. It was improved, but it still wasn't new. It was still a 17-year-old car. With other issues like the. Gas gauge doesn't work. you got to play the count the miles game, you know, on it and all of that and a couple other things on it. But, you know, the radio works in the, uh, when, it, when it's colder out. But when it gets hot, it doesn't work. You know, the station's cut in and out. I mean, but it, so it was improved, but it was still the same old 17-year-old car. There's a difference between improved and between new. Okay, there's a difference. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Not an improved life. A new life has become. We're talking about change that happens on the inside. Change that God works on the inside. When a person becomes a Christian, he doesn't just become a better person. He becomes a new person. That's what God wants. And that's when real change takes place. And there's three ways that people typically approach change. One is for you know, to, 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 to change from the outside in. Talking about changing from the, from the outside in you know where we change all these things on the outside or changing from the inside out and there's a difference trying to change from the outside in generally it it just doesn't work because eventually who you are on the inside comes through right you can have you know the most discipline control over behavior and everything else but with the right thing to happen what's really inside is what spills out like when you kick a bucket bucket can be holding all kinds of uh, uh, of things and, and you know maybe it's acid and it's fine it's sitting there it's harmless while it's sitting there in the bucket everything is under control right but you come and kick it and what happens what's inside spills out right a lot of us are like that sometimes what's inside spills out when life kicks us you know so so you know it's it's it, it being changed you know the, from the outside in just doesn't work. Real change comes when we change from the inside out. See, when you change from the inside out, the inside changes first, and eventually it makes its way to the outside because the change is real change. It's genuine change. It's it's, it's it it it's, it's a, a a deep change that when it when you change on the inside, the outside eventually shows it so if you want your life to change who you are if you want to change who you are change your life spiritually on the inside on the in- because that will affect who you are on the outside I am a totally different person than what I was before I knew Christ totally because I changed on the inside Now, it took a while for some of the change to make it to the outside, and some of it's still trying to work on that, you know? I'm I'm still not where I want to be, but inside I'm a new person, a new person. Start with God. Let Him do a brand, something brand new in your life, and you'll see a change. Another way we look at change is we tend to look at change by doing something different rather than by being Someone different. You know, you can try doing something different than you've been doing. You know, you can try doing. Oh, I'm going to do more of this. I'm going to do less of that, or, or or whatever. Change what you're doing, or you can be a different person. Not be the old you anymore. Not be who you were before. One who's no longer like what they used to be on the inside. Or the third thing is we. Can try improving the old you, like replacing the shocks on a car, or becoming a new you, <clears throat> becoming a new you. you know a lot of people, including many people in churches, believe it's all about changing on the outside, what people what people can see or just acting differently. Many people you know just uh, uh, they approach their their christianity or their spirituality they approach it by just you know trying to be a better person when god wants us to become a new person see jesus when he came he established a established a new covenant with us previously the way god related to people it was through a covenant that was given to moses on mount sinai and it's summed up in the two stone tablets, the Ten Commandments, remember that? But it's really the whole first five books of, of uh, the Bible that we call the Pentateuch, okay? First five books of the Bible contain the law, all right? Summed up in the Ten Commandments, but then the whole thing, whole of it is in those first five books. And, and um, um, it was a system of rules and regulations that if you read through it, you're thinking, man, this is impossible. How could Anybody do that, and that was a point. Nobody could. Nobody could keep it. Nobody could could follow all of those rules and regulations. And God knew that, so He made a provision that when we messed up, an animal would be sacrificed, and your sin would be covered over. Now you say, well, why? Why? You know, why did it take the 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 uh, the sacrifice? Why did it take blood being shed by an animal? You know, that seems so barbaric. Well. I don't know why God does all that he does, but one thing I will say is when blood is shed, it kind of points to the seriousness of something. So it's like, no, nah, this is not something you can just say, "Up, oh, sorry, and be done with. When blood is shed, it's because of the seriousness Con, is the, 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 the seriousness of our sin and so the system was set up that you know our, our sin uh, uh, the, the blood would be shed and our sin would be covered over uh, and It wasn't taken away. It was still it was just covered over and that's why sacrifices had to happen over and over again The result was we still carried the guilt. All right But now he says i'm making a new covenant with you It's a better one than the old one And this covenant isn't going to be written on two stone tablets. It's going to be written in your heart. And I'm not just going to cover your sin. I'm going to never again remember it. I'm going to make you a brand new person. The book of Hebrews talks about this. In Hebrews 10, 16 says, This is the new covenant I'll make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. He says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. When their sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. So it's done with once and for all. In the chapter before this, he talks about how the old, uh, under the old system with the sacrifice of animals, there was an outward cleansing. But with the new covenant, guilt is cleansed from, uh, from our conscience inside, and it's cleansed forever then he continues in chapter 2 verse 19 says and so dear brothers and sisters we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of jesus the most holy place the holy of holies was that place where the ark of the covenant that contained the stone tablets on which the ten commandments the law was written and it was in the very center of the tabernacle or the temple. It's in the very center. And it was on top was the mercy seat. Of, uh, 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 it, was a, it was a covering on the top. And, and only one person could go in there. The high priest could only go in there once a year. Once a year with the blood of sacrifice and sprinkle it on that mercy seat. He would, he would, he would take it and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat and their sin would be covered over for the year, the sin, sins of Israel, okay? It was a very serious thing. And he says now, and that's where the presence of God rested on earth. And, and under, when, when Jesus came and went to the cross, his blood was poured out, his blood was sacrificed, and now he says we can go right into the presence of God, into the holiest of holies in heaven, without a high priest, because Jesus is our high priest, You know, we don't need an earthly high priest, we can go right in because of the blood of Jesus and walk right up to God's presence with boldness, with confidence. Because we've been cleansed from the guilt of our sin by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. In other words, that's an internal change a change inside of us we are made new on the inside not just the old covered over let's continue verse 20 by his death jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place and since we have a great high priest who rules over god's house let us go right into the presence of god with sincere hearts fully trusting him For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Anybody notice something here? Four times he says let us. Let us. Let us let us go right into the presence of God. Let us hold tightly without wavering. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Let us not neglect our meeting together. It's God's solid instructions. Let us let us remain in God. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so we want to be new people, and that's what God wants to do in our lives. That's what he does in our lives. If you want to be changed from the inside out, there's four questions to ask yourself. That really was funny when I thought of it at home, but <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Boy, that's just me. Um, <laughs> four questions to ask ourselves that are, that are uh, uh, based on these Lettuce statements. Here we go. Number one. <laughs> Am I worshiping intimately? Am I worshiping intimately? All these things, let us do this. Am I worshiping? This is talking about going into the presence of God, holding tightly to Him. Our worship is important to God. When we come to church, and it's not just limited to church, it applies when we're worshiping at at home or anywhere else as well, but when we come to church, are we actively engaging in worship with our spirit, our soul, our body, are our, our emotions involved? They should be. We should be involved in, in, in worship, in our, our spirit, our soul, our body. Our, we should be, you know, our, our emotions should be involved in what we're doing. Are we, are, are we actively, are we worshiping intimately? Are we actively engaged in or are we just singing songs? Jesus, Be the center. I wonder what I'm going to have for lunch. Now, we've all been there, right? If we're all honest, we've all been there. Are we even paying attention to the words that we're singing? Sometimes we can get so familiar with the song that we're just singing the words and not thinking about what we're singing. Jesus said in John 4, 23, the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship in that way. The Father is looking for those who will truly worship Him, not just give Him lip service. And the wonderful thing about worship is As we approach God, he approaches us. In fact, James says, come close to God and God will come close to you. If you want to get close to God, draw close to him. And a lot of times we pray, you know, say, God, come now. I need you now. Come. And he's saying, I'm still waiting for you to really come to me because that's when I'm going to come close. And then we hold, we, we enter his presence, we hold tightly to him without wavering. And, you know, one way we do that is through intimate worship. Intimate worship. One of the, one of the, the um, uh, you know, when the vineyard music, vineyard worship music first started, it was revolutionary and it changed the face of worship music um, across the board. Because it, there, there was an intimacy involved in it. We weren't just singing songs about God. We were singing songs to God. There's a difference. Not that we should never sing songs to God. We sing songs you know, declaring God's greatness. We sing songs of uh, uh, declarations of faith. We sing songs about what God is like. But we also need to have songs where we're talking directly to God and saying, God, I love you with all my heart. I love you. There's a difference. Isn't there a difference when somebody is talking about you than when they're talking to you? I could say, there's this guy at church And he's a great guy. He's a great guy. You really got to get to know him. Really is. And man, he can play guitar. And he is so skilled. And he can sing. And he's always encouraging to be around. And that's great, right? Or I could say, Rich, I'm going to put you on the spot. (laughs) I love and appreciate you. Because when I look at you, I see Jesus. And when you lead in worship, you are connecting us with the presence of God. You are one that when I get around you, I always feel uplifted and encouraged. See the difference? He was embarrassed before. Now... It's taken that to a whole nother level. (laughs) Thanks, Rich. (laughs) So you know there's there's an intimacy in in worship. So am I? You know, one of the questions is, am I worshiping intimately? Another one, another question is, um, uh, am I feeding daily? Am I feeding daily? I can't talk enough about getting into the Word. Let, it's still part of let us draw near. Am I feeding my spirit daily on God's word? You know, the book of Joshua opens up with the Lord talking to Joshua um, uh, as the Israelites are about to enter the promised land. And the Lord's telling him to have courage, you know, as he leads the people. He promises that he's going to be with Joshua as he was with Moses. He tells Joshua to be courageous, to obey all the instructions that are received from Moses. And then he says in, in chapter 1, verse 8, Study this book of instruction continually meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. As you look at this, there is a link there between how much Joshua studies the Word, and gets in the, in, in, into the, uh, God's book, and, and, and learns and obeys His Word and how successful he's going to be in his mission. Okay, There is a link there. And it's no different for you and for me. If we're going to walk into what God is providing for us, if we're going to walk into the things that God has for us and determined He wants us to do and to be and, and, and to have, then we have to be in His Word. It's not to say there won't be challenges. Joshua faced all kinds of challenges. But we can face them knowing that, that God is with us and being equipped for the challenges through His Word. It's what equips us. Psalm 119, 105. Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Going through life without regularly getting into God's Word is like walking in the dark because God's Word is a light. It lightens our path. The more light we have, the more clearly we can see where we're going. The less light, the more apt we are to stumble and fall. We need His Word to give us light for the decisions we make, the things that we're going to do in life. Then let us us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. The third question we ask ourselves is, am I serving faithfully? Am I serving faithfully? 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from this great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Not use them to make a name for yourself. Use them to serve one another. Each of us has been given a gift, some more than one. But everybody has has some kind of gift from God. And God wants us to use those gifts to serve each other as we come together. Have you ever wondered what you're here for? There's part of your answer right there. You're here to use the gifts he's given you, the things he's put in your life, to serve others. When God brought you to this church, part of the reason He brought you here is to serve. Because you have gifts that He wants to use to serve in this body. Or if, he, if, if, if you, you know, uh, are visiting here, but you belong to another church, He put you in that church to use your gifts to serve the believers there. Wherever He has you, He put you there to serve. And if you want something to make a difference in your life, it comes when you use your gifts to serve others. There's a joy that comes in. There's a peace that comes in. There's just a sense of fulfillment comes in when you know that you're using your gifts to serve others. And serving does more for you than it does for the people that you're serving. It really does. It really does. Nothing like knowing that God's using you. And when you become part of a team serving together, the result is you get encouraged in your faith and you're encouraging others. The result is you become more like Christ. And that's what our goal is, isn't it? If that's what we want, then we, need, then we must serve. It's, it's what he did. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. You Cannot become like Christ without at some point starting to serve others. The last let us, let us not neglect our meeting together. So ask yourself, am I connecting regularly? I'm not just talking about coming to church, although that's certainly part of it. Connecting starts by meeting together regularly. But there's more to it than that. God wants us to connect at a deeper level than just surface level. He wants us to connect at a level where we are honest and real with each other, where we take off the mask and and go beyond the, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine, you know, and are honest with each other. That's why James tells us, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That puts things at a level where we're real with people. It's not talking about confessing in a confessional to a priest or to a pastor. It says, confess your sins to each other. It's talking about being real in our relationships. Passion translation says it like this. Confess and acknowledge how you've offended one another. And then pray for one another to be instantly healed. And notice that. Not how others have offended you, but how have you offended others? Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5. He said, so then, verses 23-24, so then, if you're presenting a gift before the altar in the temple and suddenly you remember a quarrel you have with a fellow believer, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go at once to apologize with the one who is offended. Then after you've reconciled, come to the altar and present your gift. See, the thing is, our relationships matter to God our relationships with other believers matter I couldn't tell you how many times I've talked to somebody who told me the reason they they stopped going to their church was because this person did this or that person did that and they got offended I can't believe they did this I can't believe the pastor did this or I can't believe that this person did that and they got offended guess what I hate to tell you this, but it happens. I don't want to be unkind. I don't want to be unfeeling, but it happens. And Jesus knew it would happen. Hopefully it's not intentional. Sometimes it is. Usually it's not. doesn't matter. Church is full of broken, imperfect people. And that's not to be used as an excuse. That's just the way it is. And broken, imperfect people hurt people. You know the saying, hurting people hurt people? It's so true. And Jesus says, I want you to be different than that. I want you to be a different person. And when you get offended, he says, I want you to deal with it. I want you to deal with it. A lot of things that people offend us in we can just give them the benefit of the doubt give them grace and just let it roll off some things we need to sit and really deal with things that go deep and we may maybe talk to the person or do whatever it takes to help them to or i mean to, to to work through it with them make it right. When a relationship is broken, do the hard work of restoring it. Maybe there's somebody in your life right now that relationship is broken. They've offended you or you've offended them. It goes both ways. I want to challenge you to begin to ask God and say, okay God, I want to deal with this. Show me how. Show me how I can begin to do the hard work and it is hard work show me how I can begin to do the hard work of making this relationship right now I know that's not the way the world operates but we're not supposed to operate the world operates we're supposed to be different from the world not just an improved model of who we were when Christ enters and makes his home in our hearts he makes us brand new and that's how he wants us to live. So ask yourself, am I worshiping intimately? Am I feeding daily? Am I serving faithfully? Am I connecting regularly? Let's have the worship team come on up. Worship team is going to lead us in uh, another song. As they do, the ushers are going to come and pass the bags. If you have your tithe or offering, go ahead and put it in the bag when it comes by. Um, And uh, the green card that you filled out a little while ago, put that in the bag when it comes through, and we'll make sure that uh, it gets to the right place. And by the way, I didn't mention it earlier, but the bottom half of that green card. Um, If you want us to know your name, uh, want us to know who it is that filled out that, then write your name also on the bottom, because the first thing we do is we separate those from the top, from the identifying information, so that if you want to remain anonymous, you can, Uh, but if you want us to know it, then put your name at the bottom as well, Uh, otherwise we won't know uh, who it is that's, that's communicating with us, so. Um, Father, we ask that as we give, we ask that you would take what we offer you now, take uh, uh, take our tithe, take our offering, and use it to touch people's lives for your kingdom. Lord, we want to see more people made brand new. We want to see more people come to faith in you. We want to see more people's lives changed by you. So take what we give and use it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand while we sing.